0: Can you hear me? Awesome. All right. Wow. It's kind of weird being up here. All right. Well, good morning. Um, For the few of you that don't know who I am, my name is Dalen Bradshaw. I am the local NYI president and summer intern, as uh, as, uh, Denny said. Um, Honestly, just these past few months and even these past three years have been just a great experience, and it's been truly a blessing and if anything, I think that's summed up the theme for my life is a blessing. Um, college overall has kind of changed my outlook of life, strengthened my beliefs and if anything it's overall shown me some great gratitude over these last three years of my life and Just in these past few months, being the summer intern it's it's been a blessing and it's been a Phenomenal experience, as far as I can say. I want to open with Psalm 121. Um, It's kind of just a verse that I kind of know by heart that has kind of always kind of motivated me. Um, It's actually from a song I really like, for King and Country. Uh, But the verse goes like this. Um, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and the mountains. And before I start, I'd like to pray. Uh, Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to speak in front of not just a church congregation, but my church family. I pray that you would speak through me the message that needs to be heard. And I pray that uh, whatever I have to say speaks to these people. And uh, just speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. So my scripture reading today... It comes from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. As I find it on my mobile device, you and you all can do the same. All right. All right. Starting at verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I'm going to stop right there. Does anyone else think it's weird that they only say the other Mary? Like she just doesn't have a last name? Moving on. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now starting at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And some doubted. When Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always at the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. So I kind of have to come clean about something. I actually wrote this sermon for for a class my sophomore year of college. It was called Biblical Hermeneutics. Try saying that five times fast. Actually, try saying that once. I could barely do it. And the only reason I know how to say it is because I took the class. (laughs) But for that class, I had to make the sermon five minutes. And, well... Sorry, it's not going to be five minutes. Um, But so I'm going to be talking about discipleship today. And as I've grown up in these last 21 years of life, I've come to realize that discipleship comes in different experiences. As a child, as a teenager, and as an adult. I can kind of speak for being an adult, even though I've only been an adult for a couple of years. But as a child, discipleship was easy, it's fun, and nobody gets hurt. As a teenager, it kind of becomes less easy, less fun. Maybe a few more people tend to get hurt, and I'll get into this later. But as an adult, I'm not sure if it gets easier or harder. But today, it seems like just about anyone gets hurt by something. But as I've grown up being a Christian and being an AC teenager, I've come to realize that throughout my life, I may or may not have had some reasons that I'm not really going to give the blessing of being excuses as to why I never discipled, but in Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20, Christ makes our mission very clear. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, not just the nations of your friends, not just the nations of the people you like, but of all nations. And so, I ask you guys today, why is it so hard? To tell you honestly, I believe there's four excuses, and this isn't just to call anyone else out. This is calling myself out too, because I'm pretty much every single one of these excuses except for one. The first one is being stubborn. Second one is being no good. Third one is past failures and hurt. And this last one, don't get mad at me, because my teacher called that out on me, but he said being a woman. And I'll come back to this, so don't get mad at me. Um, but I like to start with being stubborn. And I... I can remember as a teenager, I always, always, always felt that discipleship was like a chore. And I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was just a teenager and I wanted to rebel. Or maybe it was just that I was just a naive little kid. I always felt like if I shared my beliefs with somebody, they were going to be like, dude, you're shoving religion down my throat. I was like, no, I'm trying to do something good. So I always kind of stayed away from that as a teenager. Um, but as I've grown up in those few short years... I've kind of realized it's kind of absurd, right? Um, And going into the next one, being no good, I call this one the Moses excuse. Simply because, you know, you remember back uh, in the story of Moses, Jesus comes to talk to him through the burning bush. And, you know, he says, I'm no good. Like, I I don't speak well in front of people. Let me tell you this. God's not calling us to be discipleship salesmen. He's not expecting us to have this million-dollar sales pitch that is going to save a million people in one conversation. He's asking us just to simply go and share the word with people. And there was a man that I met uh, being a camp counselor uh, just a year out of my freshman year of college. And his name was Joe. Joe. And Joe is a truck driver, and he has an amazing story uh, to begin with, but he was telling us the story of how whenever he would go on longer runs, uh, he would bring a guy with him, and usually they would fall asleep, and almost everybody at his job knew that Joe was a Christian. And so he would wait for them to fall asleep, usually having some normal radio music, maybe some like 80s on 8 or something like that, and then he would turn it to the message. And he said almost every single time that when they woke up, they would ask him about Jesus. And he saved a lot of his friends just using that simple little trick. And I don't like to use the word trick because it just sounds kind of dirty, but it's a trick. The next one is past failures slash hurt. And I'm a little more softer on this one. And it's because some people will put their entire heart, their entire life into this Great Commission Just have some someone that, for maybe one reason or another, or maybe no reason at all, just decides to, like, you know, I don't care, I this doesn't pertain to me or something like that, and just kind of makes them look like a really big jerk, and it's just there's no reason behind it. And in all honesty, my heart kind of goes out for these people because it creates this sense of fear and this sense of doubt of. If they want to share their faith, they're like, oh, if I share my faith, are they going to persecute me? Are they going to be like, dude, why are you doing this? Uh, and so I started off this sermon with Psalm 121 verses 1 through 2. And I think that's a, just a great motivator to begin with. Our strength doesn't come from the mountains. It comes from God. He gives us the strength to be able to go out into this world and preach the word of God. There was one instance where I have a lot of church camp stories, so be prepared for that. Um, So this particular year, I brought a friend of mine, and he wasn't a Christian, but me and him became really good friends. And so I was like, you know, maybe if I bring him to camp, maybe something will happen. And uh, just a spoiler alert, this is a really good story. just doesn't have the best ending. So the first day we get there, we just kind of walking around, We run into this guy. His name is Troy. And Troy is a pastor of a church that I have no idea where he's from. As far as I know, he could have just been Jesus in disguise. Um, So we run into him, and he he kind of asks us. He says, hey, are you guys saved? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And my friend goes, no, not me. And he said, I mean, why not? I mean, you just flip the script. Your life is so much better. It'll really change your life. And he said, no, I'm just not about it. And so throughout that week, like every single day, we probably saw him like two or three times a day. And so just every single time he'd be like, hey, did you flip the script? And he, my friend would be like, nah, man. He's like, come on, it'll change your life, brother. And so there was one night he finally decided, you know what, I'll listen to him. I'll see what he has to say. And so finally we just sat down, had like an hour conversation with him. And you know, this is really weird because From an outsider's perspective, you just see two teenagers talking to a guy, and the next thing you know, they kind of disappear because we just went off to go talk. And so it looked really bad on that end because everyone thought we got kidnapped. But in reality, uh, we were having a really deep conversation, and then we wanted to go for a walk uh, because Troy had prayed for my friend and said, Lord, touch this young man's heart. And sure enough, after like five minutes of walking, I don't even know what made me say this, but I said, you feel it, don't you? And he was like, how'd you know? And I was like, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how I knew. But I just felt like I needed to say it. And so my friend decided to give his life to Christ that night. And so we were like, well, we got to find somebody like to pray for us and stuff. And so we finally find somebody. And they're like, why are you guys out? And we're like, "Uh, we don't know. But we need someone to pray for us. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, you guys are in trouble for seeking off. But we'll pray for you. So... We got in trouble for the rest of that camp, uh, but my friend did commit his life to Christ. Uh, but like I said, this isn't a very happy ending, but uh, he did not, didn't stick for very long. But I assure you, friends, my friend will be with me in heaven one day. Now the final point of being a woman. Now, I have to say, my professor, Dr. Jeff Stark, was one that told me to bring this one out. And it's simply because, and I've learned this through college, that there's some churches that just don't appreciate women being a pastor, or they don't appreciate women taking the mantle of discipling, or some people just don't take women seriously as being someone that shares the word of God. But I'm here to tell you in Matthew 28 who are the very first people that tell people about Jesus? Exactly. Women. Mary and the other Mary. So when we really boil it down, there's really no excuse doesn't matter your age or your gender so going back to the age as i said before be, discipling as a kid is easy nobody has the tough questions everyone's willing to listen and there's not a whole lot of complications discipleship back then could have just been <clears throat> you were sitting in first grade just hanging out with some buds and you're like hey do you want to come stay the night saturday and we'll go to church the next day and they're like yeah because they have no idea what the heck church is and so they come and then you give them a little bit of sprinkle of Jesus. But, but as you become a teenager, sometimes it's a little bit of a different story. Some people are willing to listen. Some aren't. And most of the time, those people that aren't tend to have their own opinion of God. They have their own belief system. And some of them, it gets complicated. They have questions that are hard for anyone to answer. They have the question of why why this happened to me? Why did God let this happen to me? And, <clears throat> and this is just my personal belief. God doesn't do bad. devil does bad. So, and this brings me into um, a friend that I would bring to youth group all the time in high school. And this was kind of like the sleepover trick, but amplified because you would... Instead of, like, having them stay the night, you would just bring them to youth group. You would kind of just sprinkle all the ideas, like, oh, we're going to play games, we're going to eat food. And then you sprinkle in the little bit of, yeah, it was going to be a devotion at the end. And so I would do this with one of my friends. This is one of my best friends to this day. He is not saved currently, but we had conversations, and it did change his life at least a little bit. Now, as I said before, I'm only 21. I haven't been an adult for that long. But with these past four, like three or four years, I've made it very clear I'm a Christian, I'm a ministry major, and I, and I speak the word of the Lord. And when you just kind of make that clear and out there, I feel like discipleship comes so much easier. Because I work at Culver's and Rock Falls, and anyone that knows my first name knows that I'm a Christian They know I want to be a pastor. They know that this is being recorded and they may watch it later. So I have to say this. Discipleship comes with relationships. We make those relationships and discipleship will come with it. Because no one's going to say no to a new friend. But some people will say no to God. But just making that first relationship can change their lives. And, you know, looking back, I've discipled in ways that I never even realized. Even before, that I, even before when I uh, didn't really want to disciple. I would bring friends to church, youth group. Um, just being there for somebody is enough to disciple them. Because they see your compassion and your Christ-like compassion towards them in a tough time. And they'll be like, I want to be like that. I want that. And a lot of the times, I would tell my friends I was praying for them, even if it wasn't their thing. And almost every single time, they'd be like, I appreciate this even though I don't believe this. So you can be that that impact in their lives that can one day change it. And that's something I've done with my own discipleship walk. I've started with a relationship and just kind of sprinkle a little bit of Jesus here and there until eventually I have a full-blown conversation. And one thing I feel that kind of breaks the tough questions is using metaphors to kind of make it a little bit easier. And one that has actually stuck out was one that my buddy old pal Devin Summers even said to me one day. For those of you who know who Pennywise the clown is from the It franchise, he kind of made a little bit of a metaphor towards it about Pennywise being the devil, and as long as we don't give him any power, fear, or attention, it's almost like he isn't there. So when we use these analogies... It can make the confusion happen a lot less. So this morning, I leave you with two questions and a mission. It's like Mission Impossible. First question: Who do you need to disciple? I know there's plenty of people I need to. And what are we waiting for? If there's anything that we I learned from District Assembly is that some people are thinking that the end is near and. I'm not the one to say that it is, but because we should live every day like the end is tomorrow or within the next hour. And so, this final uh, message, no, it's this final verse that I'm going to use is actually borrowed because we don't steal stuff, right? We borrow it. Uh, it's actually from our district superintendent Lloyd Brock, and he gave us First Chronicles 28, verse 20. And it's kind of a little far farther down, but it's, it's an amazing part. And I, I took it with me from District Assembly and it's been with me ever since. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Or as Lloyd Brock said, get the work. Uh, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, the Lord God, my God, our God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you up until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. And he made a point of saying yesterday that no matter how big or how small the size of the job is, our God is there with you. So, you have your your questions and you have your mission. What are we waiting for? I'd like to pray with you again. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for this message that you've uh, given to these people. And I pray that discipleship comes easy, even though it's going to be hard. And I pray that these relationships that these people are going to be making will change the lives of many, many people. In your name we pray. Amen.